Howdy, you're listening to the Think Brasses podcast. We host conversations with locals, politicians, and policy experts to help families thrive in Brasses County, Texas. So when you're thinking about how to make your community better, just remember, think local, think Brasses. So we're joined by Brent Hairston. He is the single member district five city councilman from Bryan. And he's also running from the mayor for the mayor of Bryan, Texas. Um, Brent, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you to be here. First of all, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background, just generally for people who haven't heard a lot about you or don't know all the details. Who are you and why are you running? Sure. Well, listen, thank you for all that. First of all, my name is Brent Harrison. Uh, as I said, I'm the uh, single member district five representative, which is the west side of Bryan. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, grew up in Bay City, Texas, came here in 1986 to go to school. Uh, I've lived here in Bryan College Station pretty much ever since. Uh, I did leave for a year and a half to work in Houston after graduating, but I like to not count those years. <laughs> so, But I've been here since 86. My wife and I got married in 1997. Uh, during the 25 years that we've been married, um, uh, we've invested heavily in the city of Bryan, particularly okay. in downtown. Uh, we've owned two businesses, Discount Carpet and Texas Furniture Company. Those two businesses we owned uh, and ran uh, at various times for about 16 years. Uh, we've also, after that, renovated three buildings in downtown Bryan and built oh, yeah. a fourth, uh, which is at the corner of 23rd and Main Street. That building was uh, called Perry Place. It's now called Park Station. Uh, it's a 30,000-square-foot building. Wow. Uh, it is, to this day, the largest new building built in downtown Bryan in over 50 years. So wow. we're very proud of that. We did sell it a couple years after building it, uh, but very proud of that. And uh, uh, the reason I mention that is is I want everybody to know that we've – tried all along in our married life to have an impact on the city of Bryan and to invest personally mm. in the city of Bryan. So that's been very important to me. Uh, in 2018, around the time we were wrapping up the building of Perry Place, um, I decided to run for city council, ended up running unopposed. Really? So I've been on city council for four years, uh, served on a bunch of boards and commissions. I get kind of bored telling you all of those, but there's several that I've <laughs> uh, served on and, uh, you know, have a good breadth of experience, you know, working uh, yeah. in the city of Bryan. Uh, but we're rooted in Bryan. Uh, personally, uh, of course, I mentioned my wife and I have been married 25 years. We celebrated our anniversary back in April. Uh, we have three kids, all adopted from China. Very mm-hmm. proud of all of our kids. Uh, all of them have attended Bryan schools. Our oldest child graduated from Bryan High oh, wow. uh, and is now serving the United States Navy at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis. Oh, so nice. we're very proud of her. And if I may make one comment about that, I would love to take credit for her going to the U.S. Naval Academy, but I'll tell you, she came up with that direction all on her own. Uh, my wife and I, neither one of us have any military background, uh, but about her junior or senior year, she mentioned to us that she was interested in uh, uh, going to one of the military branches and ended up doing oh. that, but that was all her decision, so we're proud That's of her it. for making that wow. decision. So. Okay, and uh, I guess the next thing I wanted to know is um, – why are you running? This can't be the most painless job. I mean, it seems like it's a little <laughs> difficult to do. Why are you doing it? Well, it can be. It's certainly not the $10 a month that we get. <laughs> so, you know, back when I ran in 2018, I had a principal that really guided me. And, uh, you know, a lot of times 
As citizens, we particularly like to complain about our government, complain sure. about what's going on that we don't like. But it's easy to complain. It's hard to get in there and try to be part of the difference. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be part of the difference. Uh, so when I ran, I, I thought, you know, let's have somebody of good character and good integrity in there. And there, fortunately, we have several folks that fit that bill. But I wanted to add to that, hopefully in a positive way. And I really feel the same way about uh, running for mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need to have someone in there that will show fairness to all, regardless of your income level, regardless of your status in the community, but be fair to all citizens concerned, work to help them. Uh, recently, issues have come up about the tax rate. I'm fighting hard to try to get a lower and or lower tax rate mm-hmm. for our citizens. Uh, as uh, you may or may not know, our uh, city budget, our revenue at least, has gone up dramatically here recently. We uh, collected 20% more sales tax revenue this year than was in 2022 than was projected. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have about 4.3 million in excess in sales tax revenue this last year. Wow. Projections for well, they're not really projections. Property tax revenue, of course, the appraisal district sets the appraisals are based on the current tax rate. We'll have 3.6 million in excess of compared wow. to last year going into this following year. So that's about 7.9 million of excess. Now, a lot of things going on in the city that we have to be careful about. Inflation is, right. you know, running about 9% and we have to be prepared to raise salaries for city staff, right. uh, cost of doing business, whether it's infrastructure projects or whatever, that's going up. We've got to be prepared for that. So I don't believe we can give all of it back, but mm-hmm. when we have that much excess, I believe it's our obligation to give a portion of that, uh, those taxes back. And what I am uh, proposing, uh, and I said this publicly, is a minimum of a half cent. I really lean toward one cent reduction. That would give back about 700000 I got some updated figures. Okay. About 700000 of that $7.9 million. To me, that's just our obligation to do. Yep. So, as I like to say, the money belongs to the taxpayers. It doesn't belong to, to sure. we and the government. And there's a tendency across all levels of politics to not want to give money back. But how much money would that actually be? Because I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my head, and you're talking about lowering the property tax rate a little bit. Right. What would that translate as far as dollars? Maybe 20 bucks? Well, bucks? Some, somewhere around there. But, okay. you know, as I always tell people, if, uh, if you ask me, would I rather have $20 taken from me or given to me, I'd rather get it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so any amount that we can lower the property yeah. tax rate, I think we should, okay. especially given the fact that sales tax has been actually rising or the sales tax revenue has been rising at a faster clip than the property tax revenue. Right. So again, it's just our obligation, but we also got to do it responsibly. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to be very careful and we just can't put the city at risk so that we can't pay for critical services like police and fire right. infrastructure. And there can always be an argument about how much or how little we should do. But mm-hmm. when we have that much and we have 7.9 million of excess calculated based on those two figures, 2022 sales tax and 2023 yeah. property tax. I just feel it's our obligation and I feel strongly about that. So it looks to me that in looking from the outside at the city of Bryant, it really looks like we're starting to head towards a future where similar to the city of Austin, where the lower income, very vital workers in the community cannot even live in that community itself. And they have to live in the outlying county or rural areas or smaller town. For us, that translates to Caldwell, Hearn, you know, those kind of things. Um, Do you see 
that is the direction that Brian is heading. And, and is there a need to do something about it? How can we do that? Well, I think there is some danger in that. No question that there is. And one of the things I love about Brian and I love about my kids being raised in Brian is that it is a diverse community and we have diversity of, of races, have a diversity of income levels and a diversity uh, of abilities in the community. You know, I don't want a, 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 a community where we're all just generically fit one category and it's at upper income levels. Sure. I, I love Brian because it's more diverse. I think my kids are better for that. I grew up in Bay City, Texas. Okay. I don't know if you know much about Bay City. A little bit. But yeah, Bay City is essentially a farming community. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of refinery workers work there. Both of my parents, as a matter of fact, retired from Phillips Petroleum Company. They worked yeah. at a refinery. So I love those type people. Those are the real people. And I believe we have to make sure that we don't edge them out in some way. I don't really think we're in danger of doing that anytime soon, but as property taxes, and well, not property tax, but just property valuations go up, it can seem like it is getting that way. But I, you know, I, I'm not in favor of saying, Hey, we're just not going to build any lower income houses or anything like that. I don't think that's the, the right thing to do. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. Oh, I was just going to go into that. There's a lot of pushback often when you're talking about low income housing or, or really just multifamily, more affordable apartments. There's often a pushback from a good portion of any community, including Brian, uh, that, you know, this will bring in crime or it'll do this or that that could affect the overall city. Uh, it's a net loss is another argument that people will make. Uh, where do you stand on that? Because, um, uh, from our perspective, supply and demand, if you have more rental properties, especially affordable ones, right. prices go down. Well, and that's exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. I, you know, I think private entities should be able to take care of that. If they, if prices are high, you know, there should be plenty of private companies that want to come in and build apartment complexes. And as more are built, the price will come down. Right. Now, depending on where you live, you know, listen, if I live in a, I do, I do not, by the way, but if I lived in a half a million dollar house or a million dollar house, I probably wouldn't want an apartment complex next to me. But in the end, the community as a whole, we have to provide for all income levels. So yes, I think we need to, uh, you know, let the, let the uh, private market do what it does and build, you know, whatever the market will bear. But I think as more apartments are built, that price will come down. Listen, one other thing I think is a possibility as far as something the city could do to kind of help with that is perhaps creating a few neighborhoods with some relaxed standards, mm-hmm. you know, maybe smaller lot sizes and things like that, sure. just to at least give some possibility of a little lower income housing. Okay. Now, I'll tell you, I'm a builder right now, and I've just finished building two houses. And oh, wow. These cost, uh, in fact, we have four houses going, two of them are just completed. Uh, they ended up being 20% more. Yep. And I anticipated them costing. That's so correct. stuff isn't cheap and no. there's no magic pill. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to build new housing that's low income. Oh, yeah. But one thing that happens is people do build new, whether they're new houses, they build new apartments, what have you. What that does is it kind of caps the market and the rest of the things kind of come down and, and some apartments will be a little lesser expensive, a little more affordable because there's more supply. Right. So it's not like you build a brand new structure and that necessarily is going to be the lowest. And it's hard to build something brand new and have it still be the lowest uh, uh, price thing in the market. That's just not going to happen. Right. But as the supply increases overall, more things will show up at that lower income level and at least provide some possibilities for people that can't afford, you know, the rents of higher, right. higher price apartments. So, okay. But it's not an easy issue. Right. I mean, it's just not easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 
definitely concur there. Um, shifting gears to a different topic. Sure. There's a good number of, of Brian citizens. I've heard it over the years following city council and politics. And, uh, there's a good number of its citizens that, especially in the last five years or so, have said that Brian is, feels like it's becoming less and less transparent. I will say as somebody who follows Brian politics for where I work, Habitat for Humanity, it is sometimes difficult for me to figure out, okay, there's a special meeting over here or there's this over here. And um, it just, if I'm part of my job, I'm being paid to follow this and it's hard for me to follow it. What's going on with the average nine to five workers that can't? So my long-winded question is, do you see that as an issue in Brian at all? And if so, what do you want to do about it? Absolutely, I do. And I think the city of Brown needs to be more, more transparent than it is. Now, I would say this 99% of the stuff that goes on, there's no issue with. But I will tell you that I, as a council member, have gotten my packet before on, you know, they tell us what's coming up at the next right. meeting on a Thursday or a Friday before the Tuesday meeting. Mm-hmm. And on more than one occasion, I've gotten my packet and seen something that I thought was critical mm-hmm. to Brian that I didn't even know was going to be on the agenda. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, and if I'm mayor, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that citizens have plenty of time, not just the three or four days required notice required by law, but more time. We put things on the agenda, give citizens time to talk about it. You know, listen, we need to be willing to stand up there and take the heat. And I can take the heat. I don't mind listening to folks that agree with me or disagree. And I'm glad to make a decision once it's, you know, once all the information has come out. But we have to be willing to take the heat. And I think sometimes my guess and, you know, obviously, if something doesn't show up to the agenda at the last minute, nobody's going to tell me why they did that. Mm. <laughs> okay. But if that happens, you know, you got to think that the reason for that is to try to to see that uh, maybe not as many people will come out in opposition to it. Mm. Okay. Because especially if it happens right before a weekend, they're just two or three days for people to rally the troops. You know, listen, I don't like sitting up there when a whole host of people from the community come out and gripe about something you're about to do, but it's our job. You know, it's our job to take that heat. If you don't want to take that, don't sign up for the job. Yeah. You know, so I'm willing to take that to listen to what anybody has to say. And listen, in my four years on council, there have been several, several issues where I knew there's no way I'm absolutely not going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, recently there was a neighborhood that had an apartment complex they didn't want to go up. And right. I understood their issue. I understood why they didn't want it. If I lived in that neighborhood, it probably wouldn't be my favorite thing. But we had to listen to all the information. Right. And so there's a property owner there also that has a right to do something with right. the property. Right. And I went and met with the neighbor neighbors and very kind, very nice people. I could understand their concern. I also listened to the arguments of students that wanted to live closer to Blinn and have right. that opportunity to, to attend Blinn more easily uh, right across the street. And I had to make a decision. In that particular case, city council voted unanimously to approve the request. Yeah. The neighbors didn't like that, and I understand that. Right. But that's just one example of how there are difficult situations, but you, you sit up there, you listen to all the concerns, you take it, and then you make a decision. Yeah. But that's part of being a leader. Mm-hmm. And listen, I also think there is uh, some good argument for going back to two council meetings a month. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure how I stand on that, but they're, they're technically are two a month now, but they're the same day. 
Right. So that's not quite like there's two a month. Uh, okay. In a way it is. But, but you know, we used to have two council meetings a month and that gave plenty of time. Also, you could get things done more efficiently. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to table something till the next meeting, right. it was being tabled for two weeks as opposed to four weeks mm-hmm. or five weeks, depending yeah. on how long the month is. Okay. So I think there's some, some, uh, uh good opportunity to maybe change that. And I think that would also help for the transparency. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't feel like we have to put something on the agenda and, and, you know, Rush it through so we right. can get things done. If we meet okay. twice a month, I think that's a even better opportunity for citizens to yeah. be able to come and, and air their concerns. Okay. Okay. Um, well, with the little time that we have left, I, I did want to go into city relations between Bryan and College Station. There's a lot of issues there over the years, uh, but we feel there's a lot of room for cooperation. Absolutely. Um, where are some areas, housing or otherwise, that uh, the two cities you think could collaborate and how could, could they move forward in sure. those ideas? Well, a good question about housing. I haven't thought of that, uh, so I, I, I'll have to yeah. give that some more thoughts specifically about mm-hmm. housing. But generally speaking, I think it's very important, critical that our two cities cooperate. Sure. You know, here a, a couple of years ago, I was on the Experience Brown Colonization Board, which is oh, our yeah. joint uh, mm-hmm. Convention visitor, visitor bureaus. Center. It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't right? exist. City College Station decided to pull out, mm-hmm. and uh, I, well, I was opposed to that. Mm-hmm. I thought then, and I thought now, we can get more accomplished together than right. we can apart. I think that's a general principle that is true of just about anything. We need to cooperate at every turn that we can. I, I just, you know, it 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 sets a tone not only uh, for the two cities, but also for folks outside of town that come in and look. They want to come in and see two cities that work together and cooperate together. So I I think that's critical. Now, we've done well with that. Destination Brian is our uh, uh, Convention Visitors Bureau that's come out of that, and they're doing a wonderful job, and it's great. Uh, But there's some other issues where I see that that could potentially – where we could potentially – potentially have a separation on certain things. Mm-hmm. And I just think we need to really work against that yeah. and do everything we can to cooperate. Um, you know, I've uh, fortunately made many friends with various college uh, station city council yeah. members, and I won't mention names, but, you know, probably all but a couple I've met with personally, uh, including Mr. Nichols, who's running mm-hmm. for mayor. And, of course, we'll see how that race turns out. Sure. But uh, I served with him, by the way, uh, my entire time on city council. He and I served on the Bavisma board, which is the oh. solid waste management board. Yeah, operates yeah. Twin Oaks Landfill. Mm-hmm. So we know each other pretty well. And we've kind of joked that we may both be out on our can in November, uh, or we'll <laughs> both be mayors and we'll, you know, yeah. we're uh, committed to working together and trying to solve problems oh, for the good. community. But yeah, that's a big deal. And uh, I think, you know, probably anytime there's two cities right next to one another and mm-hmm. we can't help but compete on a few things, it's easy to get this mentality that we want to beat the other guy. But yeah. in reality, if either of our cities have business coming to town, if either of our cities have industry coming to town, it's a win for everybody. Yeah. So we just have to have that attitude and that would be top of the list for me. Yeah, because I know. From looking at it from the outside, I think sometimes our concern is that with having those two cities right next to each other, you have a big um, company or whatever coming in. It almost feels like they can the two cities can be played off against each other a little yeah. bit and to the detriment of both. Well, that's right. And I think that's, you know, again, when you're in the leadership, yeah. you know, I'm a I'm a city council member for the city of Bryan, not call station. So it's easy for me to want right. to play the city of Bryan. But as I said, it really benefits everybody. And, you know, you and I both know, Charles, we all have friends yeah. that if we thought about it, we don't know which city they live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just our friends. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm a member of the Bryan Rotary Club. And uh, going through occasionally, I ask someone their 
their uh, address if I mm-hmm. need to stop by and bring them something, what have you. And half the time they say Brian and College Station, and I'll think, I didn't know you lived there. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny in the Brian Rotary Club, about half of our members are from oh, College yeah. Station. So. <laughs> But yeah, that's a big deal. And, uh, uh, that's one of those things hard to point to particular things, but it's just a spirit. It's a culture of cooperation. And that's very important that we yeah. just push, push hard to cooperate at every turn that we can. Right. So Brian has done an amazing job. You mentioned a little bit about downtown Brian earlier. Um, it is an amazing thing what, what y'all have done as far as turning that downtown around. Where do you see the downtown area going in the future? And do you have any new ideas for that? Sure. Area? Well, let, let me first say this. One of the great joys of my life is the fact that I arrived in downtown in 1992. I started working for a business that I would later buy out, Discount Carpet. And then from 1992, oh, I guess to about 2001, you couldn't give away buildings in right. downtown Brown. I mean, nobody wanted them. You know, there's just no value in them. Right. Most people would think that. I mean, if you needed a warehouse, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that might be a place to go. But that was right. about it. So it worked out well for us because we needed a carpet store, which is essentially right. is a warehouse, you know. Yeah. And so that worked out well. <clears throat> but uh, but you know, one of the great joys of my life is having seen that transformation. Mm-hmm. I lived the old Brian or the old downtown Brian for about 10 years. Yeah. And I've seen for the next 20, the revitalization of it. And now you go downtown Brian, if you don't get to downtown Brian by about 530 on Friday, you're not finding a parking space. Right. And that's a joy. I mean, it's just been fun to see. Uh, as far as the future, I think what we're doing in Midtown is an excellent Excellent thing to do. It costs a lot of money, and I understand that. Uh, it's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but making that investment in that park, which is right there in the middle, you know, between downtown Bryan and uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Texas A&M University, mm-hmm. that's a good draw. That helps fill in that corridor, and I think what we're going to see is we're going to see private investment come all through that corridor, and it's going to be you know, the, the proper, the looks of the property, the investment, the value of the properties are going to increase. And that area was in sore need of, of uh, revitalization. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't really have a choice in that area. You know, I'm, I'm sure some people will say, well, you know, we're running, you know, running some of the lower income people out. And that's the last thing that we want to do. But the problem is, what do you do when you have an area that's deteriorating? Right. And is in just poor shape. If you do anything. To some extent, the property value is going to raise. Right. I think that this is going to be a positive for the uh, for the Midtown Corridor. I mean, I don't see any other way to look at it. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it's just what we have to do. Otherwise, we'll just have areas of town that continue to deteriorate and get worse and worse. I think yeah. it's what we have to do. Have you all given any thought, you know, speaking of the low-income families that are lucky enough to own a home in Midtown, some people say that, well, they're going to be pushed out as uh, – it develops more and more. Has there been any thought given to some sort of a grant program, a redevelopment grant program to where some of these low income families could actually help to implement some of the ideas in the Midtown development plan and build their their property in a way that uh, brings income in? Well, I, I tell you what, I don't know. There's a lot of different directions you can yeah. go with that. Now, by the way, there are a lot of plans already in place in Midtown where people can do development and the city helps them with that development. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know about existing properties. They're general, or I'm sorry, existing buildings. It's usually putting new structures in there. But, you know, I think everybody would be in favor of whatever somebody wanted to do to improve their property. So mm-hmm. the specifics might be a little difficult, but, uh, yeah. but I think people would be in favor of that's the spirit of what you're talking sure. about. Uh, and, you know, let's not forget, there's no perfect answer here as property values raise, right. more income people feel they're being pushed out. I don't like that, but let's also not forget that their property values will go up substantially and that should help them uh, to be able to realize that. Now, it, it's kind of sorry when they're having to pay higher property mm-hmm. taxes uh, during that time before they sell. And I understand that, but I don't really know how to solve that. If mm-hmm. we improve the area, which we have to do, if we improve the area, property values are going to go up because mm-hmm. the area is improved and people are attracted to the area. But that's what we want. Mm-hmm. We want people attracted to that. Sure. So. Sure. Well, um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or share and how can anyone watching <clears throat> this video get in touch with you? Well, sure. Well, my, uh, my phone number is five, seven, five, five, six, three, seven. Uh, I have a rule that I've observed ever since I got on council is that I always return phone calls. Uh, and uh, believe me, there have been plenty I didn't want to return, <laughs> but I returned them anyway. I just feel as a leader, we have the obligation to right. do that. I'm always glad to do that. Uh, naturally, we have a, a I have a, an email as a city councilman, which is B Hairston, H A I R S T O N, initial B, uh, B as in Brent or boy, B Hairston at BrianTX.gov. You can email me. We get all those emails and uh, certainly be glad to respond to those. Um, uh, and for campaign purposes, we have a website, hairstonformayor.com, okay. I believe is what it is. I don't even know my own website. We'll put it up. But, <laughs> there you go. And we have a Facebook page where okay. I talk about some of the issues that are important to Good. me and, and why I feel the way I do. Okay. And people may disagree, and that's okay. I, I leave comments that agree and disagree with me. I don't hide sure. them. But uh, if somebody curses and does all sorts of things, I'll hide right. those. But other than that, I leave them up there. And I'd uh, love to hear what people think. But I want to be accessible, and I'm always glad to talk to anybody. All right. Perfect. Well, uh, Councilman Harrison, it has been a pleasure to speak with you today. Thanks Thanks so much for coming on Think Brass. You bet. The Think Brass podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. Our mission is a community where everyone can afford a home they're proud of. Habitat is a 501c3 charitable organization, so we do not make political endorsements. If you'd like to support our work in the community, you can make a tax-deductible donation online at habitatbcs.org. The Think Brasses podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and on our website at thinkbrasses.org. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you prefer to watch videos of our conversations. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think brasses.